Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the book of Shmuel Aleph, that is the first book of Samuel. We are in chapter 9, <coughs> we are up to verse 15. We are doing 9b, the second half of chapter 9. And we are learning the story of the future king Saul, the one who is to become soon, but not yet, the uh, first king of Israel. And um, we are learning the process of how he became king. And in the first half, just to recap very quickly, uh, we were introduced to Saul um, as a, a young man, a tall, good-looking young man, but also described as someone very good, very uh, choice, someone that seemed to be well-liked. Um, we saw him and his servant uh, uh, boy go to search for his, their, his father's uh, lost donkeys and um, they couldn't find the donkeys and they took a little detour to meet the seer, the prophet uh, Samuel. Uh, the, they met the prophet Samuel and um, we are about to, to hear of the encounter between Samuel and Saul and Saul's assistant or servant boy. Now the... Um, uh, one of the things that um, I find interesting is is that in the commentaries, you'll find two different approaches to Saul and these early days. Um, one approach is the approach that's taken by the uh, most Jewish writers that I've read, the uh, most commentaries. It's the approach taken by the rabbis, and it is the approach that I've been taking, and that is is that one gets the deep impression that uh, the verses want to portray Saul's good qualities and make him out into being a good person um, in the beginning. So you get the feeling that he starts off having the qualities necessary, the one that one the kinds of qualities one would want in the first king of Israel. However, later on, as we know, in the end of the story, or not even at the end, in the middle of the story, Saul takes some turns for the worse, and then um, he ends in, in tragedy. And the thing is, is that, um, is that, therefore, we're set up to wonder, like, what happened to this person who was good? What happened to his, his humility? What happened to the, these, these good qualities that he seemed to possess in the beginning? Um, there are others that approach, and I, I just happens that I've seen this often reading Christian sources and commentaries, that everything that I read last chapter, if as a positive, they make him out into being someone that was no good from the beginning. Um, so, for example, the verse um, where it says that that he is good, they pointed out that he is good, meaning. Uh, he's good looking and even though we acknowledge that it means good looking but we also acknowledge that the way the form in which it's written in Hebrew gives one the impression that it didn't just mean that because there are a lot of ways to say that someone is good looking but it used the terms that we usually use to describe someone's character as a description of their of their um, of their looks so we keep we kept the shechmo lamala the shoulders above everyone else is expression to height, but it's an unusual way of saying that someone is tall. It gives you the sense and the feeling that it doesn't only mean that he was tall, but it also means that he was above and beyond everyone else in character. 
And we're, I'm going to continue to read it this way simply because I do, not because I want to take sides or say that one way is better than the other. Um, it, it reminds me also of how, because I go through life with the name Saul and I've come across many people, uh, Christians before, that asked me, why is it that so many Jews have the name Saul? If Saul wasn't a good guy... And I keep thinking, well, of course I'm biased, but I always grew up thinking of Saul as an essentially good person that made some serious mistakes and ended up, you know, doing some bad things and ended up failing. But but uh, but he became the first king because of his his good character. And and I you get the sense from these chapters that that is right. This is the approach the Chazal that the rabbis take as well. And I'm reading the verses this way because. It just feels like the, what the verses mean when you read them in the original Hebrew carefully. So, Now we're about to learn, so what happened in this encounter? Shmuel, we just said in the last verse 14 that Shmuel, Samuel, is coming out, uh, coming down, going uh, 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 out of the city while, Sh- while Shaul and Saul and his assistant were walking in towards the city and they're about to meet each other. Now before that meeting actually takes place, <laughs> The verses go and say, by the way, the day before, God had revealed himself in literally in the ears of Shmuel. In other words, God had like whispered the secret to Shmuel. Yom Echad, one day lefnei bo Shaul, before Saul had arrived in the city, Lamar saying as follows. So God had given Shmuel a heads up. Shmuel knew that someone special was going to come. And what did God say? He said, Ko'es machar, around this time tomorrow, and I'm going to be sending to you a man from the land of Benjamin. And I want you to appoint him as a Nagid over my nation Israel. Now this is really important. The choice of language here is I want you to appoint him as a Nagid. A Nagid is a chief of some sort. A chief or some kind of a ruler. But it is decidedly not the term for a king, which would be a melech. In, in the last chapter 8, the people asked Samuel for a melech, for a king. Samuel tried to discourage them. God didn't like the idea, but he said, fine, if that's what they want. It's almost like God is saying, let's see what happens if we don't really appoint a real king, but maybe we can get away without appointing a real king and we'll just appoint a nagid, a chief. Someone needs to come, and he can save the people from the Philistines, since what the people really want anyway is someone to lead them in battle against their enemies and protect them from their enemies. He'll be able to do that job, just like the other judges in the book of Judges were able to do that job, just like Samuel himself was able to do that job in his younger years. Because I need someone to rescue my nation. I've seen my nation. Its cries have come up to me. They're suffering under the yoke of the Philistines. Um, I'm ready to send them to help someone. God is almost reverting back to the days of the book of Judges where whenever there was a problem the people would cry out, God would send someone to lead them in battle and save them and let's move on. So you can hire this guy who's coming and make him the dude. Make him the guy. Right? Ushmuel Ra is okay, so as opposed to God saying, I want you to make him the Melech, the king. I say this because it's important. I want you to take note of this, because a lot of what we'll see seems to be that this is the case, that Shaul was never meant to be the hereditary king that had all the powers of kingdom of, of kingship that the people wanted to make. Almost like Shmuel and God were in cahoots with each other to see if they can get this by the people. 
and maybe they'll accept it, and maybe they'll they'll forget their demand for a real king. But anyway, let's see what happens and how how this pans out. So verse seventeen, Shmuel Israel. So now back to now, Samuel saw Saul coming, but it's Saul coming. Vadonai anahu, and God called to him and said as follows: This is the guy that I told you, Zayatzor ba'ami. He's the one who will rule over my nation. Again, Yatsar is an extremely unusual language to use when referring to a king. In fact, the commentaries have to bend over backwards to explain that Yatsar is, is because a king stops people from running and stops people from separating themselves and keeps people together. Uh, but it's, it, 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 it's okay as a term, but the, these verses, again, deliberately choosing terms that are unusual because it wants to clue us in on something. And over here, I, I, I submit that what it wants to clue us in on is the fact that he's not going to be, that let's see if we can make him not a real king. And here's something else. God says, here's the guy now that I sent you. In other words, had God not appeared to him now, Shmuel would not necessarily have known that Saul is the Benjaminite person that God had told him was going to come tomorrow. Or when yesterday when he said he was going to come tomorrow. So, so God needed to tell Shmuel, this is the one. The only thing is, is that, uh, of course, um, uh, Shmuel did not know yet that he was from Benjamin. But, uh, I mean, now Shmuel knows that he's from Benjamin because God told him he's the one. But anyway, but God didn't tell him he's the one from Benjamin. Anyway, Shaul et Shmuel Vayigash, I'm sorry, Shaul at Shmuel Hashar, and Saul, Shaul approached, he came close to Shmuel in the gate. Shmuel was walking, facing out of the gate as if he was walking out, and Shaul was walking into the gate of the city, and so he approached him. Vayomer, and he said, Please tell me where, which one of these houses is the house where the seer is using the term ro'eh, seer, which was the term that they used for prophet, as we discussed in, uh, in the previous podcast. Vayan Shmuel et Shol. And Samuel answered Saul as follows. Vayomer, and he said, Anochi ro'eh, I am the seer. I'm the one you're looking for. Alei lefonai habama. Go before me up to the bama, to the high place, where the ceremony is going to take place. I want you to eat with me today. Tomorrow I can send you back on your way. And everything, whatever it is in your mind, whatever it is that you need to know, I will let you know. This is an unusual language. Like, whatever it is, all the problems, all the issues that you have, I'll, you know, I'll help you solve. Or, I will tell you. Whatever the things are that are bothering you. Obviously, the things, one of the things that are bothering him is the donkeys. Where are the lost donkeys? So Shmuel continues by saying, I'll tell you everything in your heart, but those donkeys that you lost, these last three days, the donkeys that you've been missing for the last three days, we've been wandering around, I'll toss them at Libchalahem. Don't bother worrying about them. So they've already been found. Ulemi kol chemdat Yisrael halo lecha, and to whom is not the entire Israel desiring, if not for you? In other words, everyone is waiting for you, and your father's household. 
This is an extremely strange thing. Imagine Shaul does not think of himself, has no idea, no clue that anyone is considering him to become the next leader. But here you have Shmuel telling him, number one, I'm going to tell you everything it is that you need to know in your heart. Right? Forget about the donkeys. Right? So right away, Shaul knows there's something special about this guy because he knows about the lost donkeys. How else would he know about the lost donkeys? But in the meantime, the more important thing is, is that everyone, the entire Israel is waiting for you. And Saul must have been thinking, what in the world is he talking about? What does he mean? The whole, all of Israel's desire desires me for what exactly? Vayan Shaul, so Shmuel's answer, Shaul's answer was was clear. I mean, was was what you'd expect it to be. Vayomer, he said, "Hello, Anochi. I'm just a Benjaminite. Remember, being a Benjaminite." was almost a sign of shame. Benjamin had just been decimated, destroyed because of their awful behavior. Um, Benjamin was the lowliest of tribes. He added, I'm from the smallest, the least. And from Kitane doesn't just mean small in size, but it means small in stature, small in, 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 in power, small in honor of, of the tribes of Israel. And my family, Hatsi'ira, is the smallest and lowliest of those families. Of what, all the families that of the within the tribe of Benjamin, mine is the smallest and lowliest and the least important family. Why are you talking to me as if I am somehow the one that the whole people of Israel are looking at for leadership? I'm a nobody. I come from a family that's the tiniest. I come from a, a tribe that's the tiniest. Surely you must be mistaken about this identification here. So this is this is the humility which we would expect the future king of Israel to have. You know, um, the, uh, uh, his immediate reaction: Who am I? What am I? I don't even, you know, who's, what's my background? I'm a no one. And Samuel took Saul, Shaul, and his boy, uh, his servant boy, and they brought them into the Lishka. The Lishka is a, is a chamber, a room, where they were going to have the feast. And he put the two of them in a place to sit at the head of all the people that were invited to the feast. And there was a total of about 30 men there at this feast, and he puts them in, at the head. And Shaul himself didn't feel necessarily like he should belong at the head, as he just had stated. And not only that, but he put Shaul's servant boy up at the head, which is even more unusual to imagine. And Shmuel said to the, uh, the butcher or the, the one who was preparing the, the meat, the food, to that special portion that I gave to you from the, from the sacrifice yesterday, um, um, bring it out. Asher Amati Elacha, the one that I told you to keep separate, uh, that you should keep it aside and not put it with the rest of the meat. And the the butcher, here it's the cook, the one preparing the meat, took the shok, the thigh bone, the thigh, and the fat which is upon it that is attached to the thigh bone. And he placed it before Saul. This is that which was left or that which was put aside for you. I'm putting it in front of you. Go ahead and eat it. And this is an extremely unusual phrase and extremely difficult to translate. 
because the best way to translate it is as follows: Ki because lamoed shamor lecha. For a special time, this peace has been set aside for you. Lamar, as if to say, ha'am karasi, that the um, that I, I have called to the nation. Um, so, like, so, so, but by by somehow putting this meat aside, special for you as the future leader of the people. Hint, hint, right? As the future leader of the people, I am calling out to the entire nation and pointing you out as their leader. Vayochal Shaul, that's the easiest way to translate it, but uh, the commentaries kind of scratch their heads over this phrase because it's, it's the choppy and hard to really read and the words don't really flow onto the other and exactly what he means. And this is the butcher talking. Anyway... That's what he said. And Saul sat and ate with Samuel on that day. And then the feast is over. I can imagine the people at the feast were probably wondering what's going on. Who is this guy? They leave the high place um, uh, to the city, right? The, the, which is near there. And uh, in the city, on the rooftop of what uh, of a home, a home I get where Samuel was staying in the city. Um, he spoke with Saul on the roof. So the roof is a place where they're standing, looking out over the other homes, looking out over the street, looking out over the view. Um, you can imagine how many movies, you know, conversations take place on rooftops, important conversations, looking out. And Vayash, um, he spoke with him exactly what he shared with him, what he told him is not recorded. And when it's not recorded, it, one, it makes one wonder. And of course, all the commentaries go to town on discussing what it was. Did he teach him special rules of Torah? Did he speak him spiritual knowledge? Did he speak, him, speak to him about being the king and his responsibilities? Did he speak to him about... I mean, we don't know. It's not said. It's for whatever reason, the, the prophets decided when this was written down not to tell us what it is that they spoke about, make us wonder. But presumably it had something to do with the job that Shmuel was going to give to Shaul. And as we see, Shaul at this point, just from that talk on the roof, wasn't quite yet convinced that he should be the king. Vayashkimu, and then apparently they went to sleep in that home, whatever, that for that night, Vayashkimu, and then the next morning they woke up, Vayi, and it was Kalota Shachar when the morning uh, was breaking and the light started getting light. Shmuel called Saul up to the roof again, Lamar to say as follows Kuma, it's time to get up, and I am going to send you home. And Shaul got up, and the two of them left, he and Samuel outside. Presumably his servant boy was with them, but not necessarily together next to them. He may have been standing behind, which would have been more typical of a servant boy anyway. And they were going down at the edge of the city. Remember, the city is on the top of a mountain. And as they go towards the gate, they're starting to go down the slope. And as they leave the city, you go down the slope towards into the valley. And Samuel Shmuel says to Saul, Saul, and Marla Nar, tell your young boy, all right, and have him walk in front of us. And he walked in front of us. Now, this is a way that, number one, keep the young boy away from them so he doesn't hear the conversation. And number two, 
Um, uh, it's also remember that the 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 kings typically had young um, young men or young or, or boys uh, walk in front of them, calling out, um, you know, here comes the king, or calling out things in honor of them, and having the the boy walk in front of Shaul was almost reminiscent of that. Uh, like to remind Shaul that he will have this, you know, young boys serving the king, passing, walking in front of him, leading the way for the king. Anyway, vayavar lefanenu, vayavar, and he did. In other words, and that you tell him to go in front, and he did go in front of them. Viata, and you, amod kayom. I want you to stand uh, for for a second, for a moment. Viashmiacha et var Elohim, and I'm going to tell you the word of God. So I, I have, you know, here the conversation is between Shmuel and Shaul. It's a private conversation, and um, but here Shmuel is a little bit more clear, and at least the verses are a little bit more clear. Is exactly what Shmuel is going to speak to Shaul about. Does this help us understand what he talked about in the mysterious conversation before? Not clear if that's true. But it's almost like before he prepared him, telling him that I'm going to speak to you the word of God, I'm going to teach you the ways of God, etc. And now today he's starting to do that. And he's saying, now I'm going to do it. I'm going to teach you and speak to you the words of God. So this concludes uh, chapter 9. And we are uh, going to read, continue reading in chapter 10 the story of the, of the coronation of Saul. And... Um, and at this point, we have the sense of Shaul, a tall, good-looking man from a, uh, you know, a really a backwater tribe and a, uh, a small family that's not too prominent. But he himself is, is, and he's a loyal son who is concerned about his father, concerned about his father's worries. Who his father sends him on a task, he go takes the task and does it right away as he's supposed to. We see he treats his own servant boy with a lot of respect. He takes his opinion seriously. He lets him speak. He lets him even disagree with him without any issues. When he's told this, this vision of grandeur from the seer, from the prophet, he initially says, like, what? What are you talking about? He initially doesn't think that he, he's, he has humility. Um, and now he's about to be told by the prophet the word of God. And that is what we're going to read about when we read chapter 10. Thank you so much for studying chapter 9 together. Looking forward to studying chapter 10 and the rest of this beautiful book of Samuel together.